Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. City of Angels in Los Angeles, and typically from also the Big Apple in New York City. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Usually along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Guberg, at caregiverspace.org, but she's out sick today. We hope she feels better. And we are coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks. On 26 audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and the list goes on and on, as well as other syndicated platforms. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Dr. George Vinay is a psychotherapist, poet, magician, storyteller, speaker, and author of the forthcoming books, The Fathering Thread and The Protecting Veil, and The Wedding of Eros and Psyche, and providing psychotherapy for over 25 years and has served underprivileged youth families for 20 years as a therapist and clinical supervisor in public mental health. He has a doctorate in clinical psychology from Chicago School of Professional Psychology and a BS degree from Northwestern University in theater. Creative calling is to care for the psyche and attend to its logos. And just a reminder, you can listen to that interview and all my interviews on our website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global uh, networks that I mentioned earlier, iHeartRadio, iTunes, etc. All right, enough of that. Dr. Vinay, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I think next time or after the podcast, I'm going to sit down and write a haiku version of that resume. I usually don't share that much, but it was so fascinating and so unusual that I uh, share with our listeners all of your many, many hats that you wear. And so I just like to ask uh, my guests the first question. Why was Dr. George Monet placed on this earth? And uh, what is your purpose here? It came to me an old story that perhaps some of your listeners have heard about the Holy Grail. And the Holy Grail was a sacred cup that uh, Christ had at the Last Supper. And then it went into this beautiful Western mythology around King Arthur. At one point, uh, the main character named Percival, a young knight, finds himself in the Grail Castle. He's next to the Fisher King who's deeply wounded. And as a result, the entire realm is not well. In that evening, a beautiful procession starts to move through this feast that the Fisher King is holding in Percival's honor. He sees young damsels moving across out of one room and into another room. And on the way, he sees for the very first time the marvelous Grail. However, he forgot to ask some important questions. And when he wakes up the next day, the whole castle, including the grill, is gone. The two questions that he should have asked were, what ails thee to the Fisher King? If he had asked that question, 
the king would have been healed and the whole realm would have grown abundant and joyous once more. And the other question is, who does the grail serve? These things came up out of that beautiful question that you ask, which has the, the notion of quest in it, right? When we question, we're off questing, just like Percival. But the two questions, what ails thee, I think is at the heart of your podcast. As you listen deeply to the caregiver's journey, trying to keep them heartful and motivated and inspired. And I think my work as a therapist, and even in the writings that I try to do, is to take us to that place of healing, where perhaps the grail could show up in our midst and overflow from the woundedness out of which it came. And in that woundedness, actually feed us and nurture us and vitalize us. And who does the grail serve? Well, it serves each other, I think. And it also serves the big guy, the goddess, however you want to say it, the divine, right? Yep. So there you are. I think that's why I'm here. All right. Well, that's, that's an amazing answer. So tell me your story of uh, what you hope to communicate to our burned out caregivers who are listening to you. You've got a story. Oh, well, there, as you know, there's so many stories, but um, I, I, as I approached and gathered thoughts and ideas and memories of what might your beloved caregiver audience, what each individual might find meaningful in our conversation, I think it starts with the fact that you and I are meeting uh, to open our hearts and see what comes up, what stories arise, yours and mine. I, you're so kind to, to attend to your guest, but you have marvelous stories yourself. And all have a story. Yes. My story, which led to the writing of the book, The Fathering Thread and the Protecting Veil, involved a very difficult journey when my four-year-old twin daughters were kidnapped to South America. And hence began a journey to see how I could stay in their lives, how I could obtain their return it was the first case of international child abduction to South America, to Venezuela. How long were they gone? They were gone. Well, uh, there is a Hague Convention treaty that uh, Venezuelan and a whole number of countries uh, in the world have signed to uh, affect the immediate return of the children when one parent removes them unilaterally to another country. So it began. Uh, the implementation or request or petitioning of that uh, request to return the children. And I went down to Venezuela and met everybody short of the president. It, it, it was in, in sort of the heyday when Chavez had just uh, risen, uh, uh, Hugo Chavez, who was the president at the time. And I met everybody, again, uh, that I could uh, by myself, showing up and saying, uh, I would like to be part of my children's lives and co-parent. And I wanted them to be able to look into my eyes and, and see uh, my love for them and for their well-being. However, over the course of that journey, uh, it became almost impossible. And at one point, I had to return to the U.S. And this was prior to another fellow who was in the media in the mid-2000s, uh, who had his son taken to uh, Brazil. 
the reason I bring this up and share this story is that it then extended out uh, all the way to when they were 18, where I had to go on, carry on, stay standing, even when I, all, all I wanted to do was fall down. And I found that in that journey of staying standing with a deep knowing of my love for my daughters and for their well-being, that one day perhaps something would move. And along that journey, which went all the way to when they were 18, when I finally saw them, I found myself transfigured. I found my story transformed, changed. It was as if sitting and having to stay standing, carrying and holding in my heart's grail what I was living through and feeling it all transformed. It was as if in the suffering, my heart opened up even further and didn't shut down, even though there were, of course, moments where all I wanted to do was that. The reason I am sharing this story is because I imagine any caregiver is struggling with the same story of having something before them that they have to lean into and keep that heart open, even when things cross your path, right? And you try to integrate it and sort of like ET, keep that heart uh, burning brighter, lighting up and attuning and finding your way with uh, what is before you. So you're comparing what happened to you, children being kidnapped, not seeing them till they're 18, something similar that happens to a caregiver when they lose their loved one, either you know through dementia and the the real yeah. person is gone, yeah. and now they have this this substitute, this new person that they have to deal with and uh, dealing with the grief. I assume you went through the grief process. Absolutely. You want to talk about uh, grief and what kind of grief you were going through and how you managed to cope with the grief and go through the grief, reach the acceptance part of the grief that maybe the, the caregivers are also struggling with? As a storyteller, I have found that many stories have wisdom in their images. And if you read almost any storyteller, when the main character is at their wit's end, by if the young princess-to-be doesn't spin gold by the morning, the, the queen is going to cut a path between her head and her shoulders, and her head's going to roll. She does her best. She tries to weave. And just at that moment, there is a knock at the window, and the help comes. Just the right help. I found myself every single instance that I was leaning into, falling into, beginning to drown in frustration, the feeling of deep loss, grief, sorrow. It was always at that moment where there would be a rap at the window. Uh, someone would step into my life with just the perfect word, whether it was a stranger that I met saying just the right thing. How would they know? But they seemed to know at some level or a dream would come. What I would say about loss from this side of both attending to from survivors of torture to youth and, and their parents and the sufferings, everyone, each one has been asked to go through. If you lean in with courage, with heart, with deep listening to what might be blowing through 
in terms of meaning and purpose in this very, very difficult situation that one is going through, you go so deeply into it that paradoxically, surprisingly, like the rap at the window, there is some sort of coming out through the other side into joy. So you there were is, grieving mm-hmm. for many years. I don't know how old they were when they were taken. How old? Four. Four years old. Four. So at least 14 years you were grieving, not knowing what the future was going to hold, yeah. not knowing if yeah. this would resolve itself next week, next month, next year, 10 years, yeah. Yeah. ever. Um, how did that... Did you ever reach acceptance and what form did it take? How long did it take? Over and over, I would have feelings overwhelm me. There were times in which uh, the girls would uh, reject and have a perception of me that wasn't uh, true or accurate. And During those 14 years? Yeah, during those 14 years. So maybe they were being lied to and you were being uh, misrepresented. And, and so, yeah, and, and I... I Likewise, you know, maybe it seems like the loved one, I'm making the comparison, uh, is getting worse instead of better, you know, and then all hope dashed. Yes, absolutely. So as I found myself with that, uh, the best image I might be able to provide is there is a beautiful song by a, a Spanish flamenco singer named Enrique Morente, and he sings Leonard Cohen's song, Alleluia. And he if you heard it, he sings into such sorrow, such grief, such lamentation. It's as if he just bears and rents his shirt and just bears his soul and puts it all out there and goes deep to the very source, the very bottomless well of his grief. And then, having gone there, the song, his singing, his voice breaking as he goes, seems to pierce over to the other side, the flip side of this coin, this mystery. And he comes into a joy that is exquisite, ecstatic, humbling. And I feel when the first time I heard it, I feel like that's it. That, that's the way. Because the other way, whether we're caregiving someone that we love or dealing with an impossible situation, is you can shut down and seal your heart over understandably because it becomes too much and we all do this at times and at the same time perhaps really hold it cook it like the ancient alchemists would do and transform it and then it starts to reveal that somehow within that journey that you are committed to because of love everything changes And our opportunity to care for the ones we love or to hold them in our hearts when we can't be with them, as hard as that might be, at the end, I think when we're on our deathbed and about to make a transition into that most opaque of mysteries, this this act of loving, this giving ourselves away, this surrendering into losing ourselves to serve others, while paradoxically, by doing that, you become more yourself than you ever could have been yeah you know you talk a lot about dreams and synchronicities am i saying that word right yes yes and uh, the little voice um, talk about some practical ways that uh, caregivers who are really struggling can, can deal with what they're feeling uh in a concrete way that they can uh, you know take home with them at, at the end of this interview 
Synchronicities mean a meaningful chance. You think of a friend and suddenly they call. You have an idea and you're out in the world that day and suddenly you meet the person who can make something like that happen and come into reality. So synchronicities are the, the way an inner movement or process you're having somehow seems to uh, link up with something showing up in the world. But there's no causal or origin. It just happens, you know? And so these meaningful chances, like, like there's a beautiful movie called Serendipity, where that whole story is about these synchronicities. So like the fairy tale that I mentioned or that image, when you just don't know what to do, if you can await, attune, look around, over and over, I have found that the signs come. They appear. Just this morning, Dave, as I was sort of gathering my, my, uh, my, my feeling and my heart to engage in this with you, uh, I'm sitting out on, in, on, in the back and the hugest butterfly I have ever seen comes rolling in and starts to flutter on some flowers that were this far away from me. In ancient Greece, the image of the soul or psyche was the butterfly, you know, because I guess the transformation that occurs. And all I could think is our conversation is going to have a lot of soulfulness, a lot of psyche, and here we're coming with a blessing. So I would say, watch for the signs. They're all around you. And Good dreams. Uh, well, let's go with the voice. Kind of like a field of dreams. Right. You're minding right. your own business and suddenly you, you hear a voice. And uh, for me, it's always come kind of as a whisper. It feels like it's your voice, but I, I've become acquainted enough with it that it doesn't quite feel like I'm making this up or I came up with it. It feels other with a capital O, like a sacred other. Right. And um, that, that voice seems to prompt or point the way, do this or do that. Uh, I was about to graduate from uh, Northwestern in college, and uh, I was thinking theater, so I was going to lose all sorts of containment and go into the uncertain unknown of acting. And I had a little voice that said, why don't you go to Texas where your grandmother is, my mom's mom. And I ended up going, and that summer she passed away. And I look back on it, and I think, you know, that voice was getting me out there so that I could really spend time with her because those memories of those heartful conversations where I, I was awake enough as a young man now in college um, can nourish me for a lifetime. So listen to the little voice. Speaking of little voices, uh, I'm mm -hmm. talking about faith. Uh, some people believe in God. Some people don't believe in God. Some people believe in different images of God. You know, there's Jews, there's Christians, there's Muslims. Uh, how does faith come into the equation of grieving and, and going through the grief process and coming to the place of acceptance where I, you say, you know, not, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, everything happens for a reason. I'm going through this. Uh, somebody's giving me the strength and courage to do it. Uh, many, many caregivers, uh, are faithful people and they believe yeah. in a higher power and a God 
and uh, would say that they could not have gone through this if it wasn't for God helping them. So what's, yes. what's your faith in that? Well, as a, as a psychotherapist, uh, I am deeply respectful for the many ways up the mountain and down into the valleys, um, you know, so that I can accompany what, whatever is feeling true and rising up in the individual sitting in front of me. As I have encountered the most difficult moments, uh, I have been surprised and humbled by how much uh, a, a Christian fountain has come up in my journey. The images, for example, uh, there's a tradition, I was raised Catholic, um, there's a tradition in music as well as in uh, the tradition of Mother Mary, Virgin Mary, that at the foot of the cross, when she's dealing with the suffering of her son, which to any of us and perhaps any caregivers you have, you know, it's the greatest challenge to our survival, our staying standing when we're dealing with someone we love suffering. Uh, the tradition is called the Stabat Mater, the standing mother. And there's beautiful music that has been written over the centuries in this tradition of Mother Mary staying standing when all she wanted to do was fall down. And so, along my journey, that image came, other images from my tradition came. However, I would share this, Jung, C.G. Jung, Carl Jung, who was the famous Swiss psychologist who worked with dreams and really emphasizes spiritual guidance moving through dreams, was interviewed by the BBC. And the interview asked him, do you believe in God? And he looked straight and he said, I don't believe, I know. He was describing, and you see it in his writings, in, in his own autobiography, there is that leap of faith, that devotedness in the face of the unknown and unconfirmed. But as you go through those experiences and you realize that something keeps showing up to help you, I say something, but it's really the thou, the higher, however you want to say it, that joins you and is accompanying you in the most difficult times. And suddenly you realize it's not a matter of belief anymore. It's that you know. So in my journey and working with clients over and over, when I say, I hear we, we've been talking about the problem that brings you in. I have my professional training and background, mm -hmm. but let's see what the psyche has to say. Have you had a dream? And here comes a dream that I end up feeling like I'm a midwife. I'm, I'm just help mediating. So this is not, the dream isn't being created by someone's ego. It's, it's far beyond what you know. It's like the psyche dips down outside of space and time to what's being imagined coming along to, from the future, uh, parts of your past, and orienting. And over and over, Dave, I, 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 I just take my hat off and kneel every time I think about how many dreams I've heard in someone's journey and my own that have showed up. And if you listen and, and try to chew metaphorically, poetically on the images, suddenly it releases an imagination that orients and helps you feel that you are not alone.
And the Bible talks about without vision, the people perish. You know, I love that quote. Absolutely. Survivors, you know, they had a, a hope without hope. You know, yes. Uh, I don't know why the ones, I'm not saying the ones who, who died didn't have hope, but I think if the ones who survived didn't have hope, I don't think they would have survived. You, you raise another. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and what you just said raises an, another thing that's become very important to me. Um, my father was killed when I was 20 uh, by terrorists in El Salvador. Oh. And after his death, I started having dreams of him. And over the years, he's come to visit. In my field of psychology, we focus a great deal, understandably, of course, on the bereaved, the ones left behind. I've also seen, though, that... Dreams are coming that suggest that there's more than meets the eye. A woman I know lost three of her children, each one when they turned 19. You can imagine her grief. And she came to me one day and she told me she had this dream, that she saw the oldest one in a swimming pool, no longer in a wheelchair. And she goes, son. And he said, hi, mother. You're here. I can see you. You seem fine. And he says, I am fine, mother. But God is sending me on an errand. And he leaves. But she woke up and that endless pit of, of sorrow suddenly had a stare uh, showing up and leading upward because she realized that perhaps truly, as was her belief, there is more than meets the eye and the soul continues on. And over uh, the course of all these years working with clients in their dreams, I, I, I keep seeing it. Your loved ones, they never go. And they return sort of released of whatever barnacles of history that might have kept them hurting or wounded or, or caught in something. And they show up uh, with all sorts of, uh, like, it's all feeling. It's all love. In the last few moments, uh, what would you like to share that you haven't already for our listeners? I am really touched by what you and Adrian are doing in creating a forum, an ongoing conversation, and an overflowing of the grail out into the world to reach those who are in deep need of solace, encouragement, hope. I hope that each one finds that knowing of which we speak that dreams come just when they need them, that synchronicities occur to help them stay standing, and that love keeps their heart opening ever deeper so that they can go into whatever they're being asked to live by life, by destiny, by God, that they can find a way of discovering how much love is available, how much purpose and meaning and destiny is unfolding, very much how you and Adrian created all that you're doing because of your own personal journey, right? It created a kind of transformation and then a, a giving away of yourself and pouring yourself out of love and care for all those you know are also going through difficult and sometimes inconsolable moments. So I'd like to share that. I wish everyone where I wish them much heartfulness, encouragement, prayer, support when they least expect it so they can stay standing. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you or read some of your books or pick your brain, uh, what's the best way? The Fathering Thread 
Com is the website that's still under construction, but they can eventually visit. Uh, the book should be coming out in December, around there, God willing. One proposes, God confirms. Uh, my website as a psychotherapist is the wedding, like marriage, the wedding of Eros, E R O S, the wedding of Eros and Psyche.com. And of course, you can find me. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, my last name is spelled V I N E Y. Vinay. What's um, that uh, hypothetical wedding about? Uh, that's a series of poetry that blew through. That seemed to all uh, have initially all sorts of images from the the one story uh, that psych that psyche is spoken about as a mythological figure when she fell in love with the god of love, Amor or psyche, and. It wasn't an easy thing. There were tasks to overcome. And when I met my wife, my beloved Anahit, this streaming of poetry blew through clothed in that tale because I was learning all about love and I was being more and more deeply initiated into uh, how you soul make through staying connected to love. So it's a book of poetry on that. Wow. You still do magic. I still do. Perhaps since we live uh, near each other one day uh, as a magician member, we can, uh, I can take you and uh, your. If you could get me into the magic castle, I would forever be grateful. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is truly a magical place, isn't it? It's the Mecca for magicians in the world. I graduated USC. Oh, well, then it's time. It's time. It is time. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's, that's where you walk in. There's a lobby. You say open sesame to the bookcase, yeah. and there yeah. it is. You, <laughs> thing opens up, and in you go. Oh, I'm going to have hope and a dream that you're going to call me one day. Thank you. Oh, no, absolutely, Dave. Absolutely. All Be right, my pleasure Dave. and privilege. And for those of you who want to get a hold of uh, me, it's caregiverdave.com. We've got three free gifts for anyone who needs to uh, visit our uh, online support group, and it's a great it's filled with resources, uh, blogs, uh, videos, these shows, and I highly recommend it. Uh, and if you're not a caregiver, send it, send a caregiver uh, over there and uh, help them to join. It'll help them out. You just might be saving their life. And anyone wants to know more about Adrian's site, it's uh, the Caregiver Space, and her website is caregiverspace.org. First thing, Facebook and mine on Facebook. So thank you so much, everybody, for coming on board. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group, 
you can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Oh. 